you're listening to Art of the Flow. Welcome to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. This is a weekly podcast that tells our stories of running a float center. We give tips on starting and running our float center. And you can find us on Facebook at Art of the Float, on Twitter at Artful Floating. And of course, you can join the conversation by leaving a voicemail or what's known as a speak pipe on artofthefloat.com. You can also find our show notes there, links, any photos, pictures, that kind of stuff um, on our show notes pages. I am Dylan Kump. I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon. I am joined by Lance of the Float Shack in Red Deer, Canada. Howdy diddly doodly, everyone. <laughs> and I'm joined by Amy of Float Nashville. Hey, y'all. Nice. <laughs> um, today's a cool episode. We're talking about water maintenance. It's our big water maintenance episode, so I'm excited to cover everything that we know. Although I know there are still mysteries out there, and so I'll, I'll be curious if you guys know answers to any of these mysteries, or if um, uh, any of our callers will know the answers to any of these mysteries as well. Um Let's see here, a few things. One, I just want to mention that I am consulting these days. So if anybody's interested in hiring me on as a consultant, uh, just click the consulting tab on artofafloat.com. But uh, I do want to, it'd be be odd not to talk about it, um, but uh, our episode last week had a ridiculous number of downloads as one of our, or definitely our fastest downloaded episode, certainly our most timely episode we've ever recorded. Um, so, uh, thanks, thanks everybody for listening. Um, I really appreciate the support on Facebook. I know Amy and I both appreciated that. Um, it was a, if it felt risky to record and post the episode, to be honest. And so I, I feel, um, feel really awesome for all, all the support from everybody. So thank you. Um, we, there, obviously there have been new news since we, we recorded that episode. We're not covering that today, but we do want to give some kind of closing final thoughts on that next week. So if you want to hear more of our thoughts on everything else that's been revealed, we'll, we'll cover that next week. Of course, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Float Away. They make Tranquility Float Tanks. And, you know, we, we've talked about Colin, we've talked about their big float arounds, and we've talked about the sexy design of the Tranquility Float Tanks. But there's a really simple thing that I think is really awesome about the Tranquility Float Tanks, which is that they have a button to open and close the lid, which means um, it's just incredibly accessible for anybody who gets in there to open it, close it. You don't have to physically lift anything. And no matter what your um, physical health is, you can always get the lid open, which is, I, I guess, shouldn't be understated. It's an important factor when it comes to having a float tank. So... Um, I'm glad that we have that option for, for our float tank. You can find them at floataway.com. Again, that's www.floataway.com. Lance, welcome back. You're gone for a oh. week. We missed you. Yeah, so man. Much. I was I was a man and woman. Sorry, this is not gender specific. <laughs> I was gone last week. Uh, we, we were uh, <laughs> moving float tanks around. Well, not really moving float tanks, but... Um, as most of you know, we're up and getting that third tank going. And with the design we have, two of our float rooms are like identical in size and shape. And our other one's just this randomly shaped room. And uh, uh, the, the new float tank we have has a Pantair pump pack. So it's quite a bit bigger and a Delta UV, which is smaller. So it's a completely different size than our other two float tanks. So um, we had to switch the pump pack from one room over to the other room. 
and then back. And we had to try and do that um, without canceling floats and just moving stuff around. But of course, it always came down to like mixing up random fittings and hoses and this oh, wow. and that to, to get it done. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we got it done. Uh, worked a bit late, but uh, yeah, everything's switched over. The other room is, I think we'll be running floats out of it Friday, I believe. Cool. cool. So nice. just getting, Damn. Just getting uh-huh. staffing figured out because oh, yeah. we are doubling up our staff with the addition of the third tank. So a little bit work around there, but other than that, it feels good. We need to, uh, Matthew and I have yet to celebrate our accomplishments <laughs> as we uh, always talk about on this right, show. Right. So right. we're going to be sure to do that in, uh, in the near future. So. Hey, and in the spirit of in the spirit of friendship, I just want you to know that I'm going to run out and gr- and buy some champagne and celebrate for you because nice, you know, I have any excuse oh. to open some alcohol. <laughs> I'm going to take it. <laughs> wow, she doesn't Sounds do that for great. anybody, Lance. Celebrating for you. <laughs> nice. It's all about you. Wow, Amy, yeah. that was very big of you. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. I, I'm here for you. Thank you. <laughs> I feel bad for. Uh, Last week, because I made a poster in the day what, what, when I was getting all my pump packs put together of, of some hockey pucks. Um, I just yes. sort of want to explain to everyone what I'm doing with these hockey pucks. So, Literally, you are talking about uh, hockey pucks, right? Yeah. You are in Canada. I'm, this is a real thing. Yeah, that's all we it's do. It's like we, a euphemism for something. It really is. You are using hockey pucks. Yeah. Yeah. I, ice grows year-round outside, so we, uh, <laughs> we're always playing hockey and using the pucks. So I I was sure I, I might grab some from... Uh, <laughs> the local hockey puck tree and I got Ah, two different types of hockey pucks. Um, We got these black ones, which are really solid, dense rubber and these orange ones, um, which is this really, it's almost like a foam, like a soft Ah. foam. It's a dense, soft foam. Like I can squish it with my hand. They aren't hollow or anything, but it's just like a dense foam. That should be noted. Yeah. So (laughs) what I did on the bottom of our pump packs is I took some, some PL premium the good stuff. And I glued six of these hard hockey pucks on the bottom of this flat base pump pack um, to sort of minimize the surface area. And once those cured and set up, I then um, used some more PL and put on those orange ones on the bottom. And now I'll take a video of this, but the pump pack I can take it and it just sort of like shakes and rocks up the ground. Like when it's running, I can put my, my ear to the ground on our floor and you can barely 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 hear the pump running through the floor so i think this cost me like 18 dollars and 96 cents and i got like two bucks in canadian tire money back if any of you know what that is (laughs) give you a high five but a big canadian tire money collector Uh, but yeah some cheap hockey pucks just really uh was able to help quiet down the float studio (laughs) and very creative innovation at its best yeah Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, hey, can I go back real quick to your, your float room? I just, um, you are, I mean, Canada, I mean, would you call it a recession? Like Canada is. Well, yes. Well, recession, yes. Um, Alberta specifically, which is our province, um, we're a very oil-based um, economy. Like it's it's oil and natural gas, and we have thrived on that for for years uh-huh. and um recently with well a lot of people like to blame the government but global economy and um new new government coming into power there has been some sure. new taxes introduced yeah. and and things that really have affected our economy along with the the low dollar so really 
right now, I would say in my lifetime, this is the lowest I've ever seen Alberta. There's a lot of people that aren't working, a lot of people that are, you know, um, skilled and licensed in their trade and very talented human beings that never thought there would come a point where the work would stop. There's so much work here. Everyone from all over the country, all over the world has migrated to our province um, to work. And now there is... There's not much work, so um, big changes are definitely well, amongst us. You know, the Canadians, reason I, Albertans. Yeah. The the reason I brought that up was, I mean, honestly, to point out that you're expanding to a third float tank in what is arguably a recession, or I mean, I don't know mm. if you consider it a recession or not, but that people aren't necessarily doing well financially, that the jobs are are low, um, but. You're doing well. I, I think that's a huge mm-hmm. a testament to how you're running your business. Yeah, and I've been asked that similar sort of question quite a bit lately is because there are businesses everywhere that are closing their doors. Businesses that have been around for years. It's just, you know, the, the people aren't making the money. They're not spending the money. They're not building. They're not all these things. It's it's definitely on the downside. Um, but, yeah, we are, we are doing quite well. Um, we aren't oil dependent and there's a lot of people in our community that that had money before you know the big boom and all this and a lot of people that have money well they they have money and right. that is that is the demograph the psychograph that we've really went to sort of the the older generation of of people that are you know they've got their savings they've got their routines their their regiments their lifestyles their goals and you know, we have took a hit, of course, like oil affects every part of our economy to the the most minute thing to McDonald's to building houses to everything. So we have took a hit, but we've made through, we've made, we've made it through. And something speaking with my business coach, John, he's brought up, he's like, I really love seeing startups um, when they start up in a low time. Nice. He's like, because businesses that can start up in a low time when the economy is at its lowest points, and they can succeed at those points, you know, when <laughs> nice. times do get well and that does come up, he's like, they really see, they really get to see the light shine. So, That's awesome. um, it's really, maybe it is an unforeseen challenge. Like it's a challenge that we have to deal with. There's no getting out of it. So we just deal with it. Yeah. And maybe in five years we'll look back and be like, dang, that was tough, but right. we're, just, we're chugging. So. You have to create an even stronger foundation because of the economy. So yeah. when things are thriving locally, I think that's mm-hmm. when you'll really take off or have the and potential have to, to. Sorry, I mean, go ahead. I, I'm so sorry. Uh, and I have to say that, you know, a lot of times it's really easy to start blaming poor business on the economy. Mm. And we have a tendency not to look within our own businesses. Uh, so I think it's a testament to that as well. Hey, here's somebody, low economy, you cannot blame it on the economy. It's about what you're doing and how you're going about things. Um, so I think it's a lesson uh, to learn and to remember even in hard time. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with Amy there. Um, there is another actual float quote unquote center that started up in our same city of a hundred thousand people around the same time we did. And unfortunately right now, probably someone in our community has recently bought their float pod and they have shut down and their building is for lease. So oh, interesting. a lot yeah. of your business is reflected on the business as a whole. Um, you can always morph your business or change your direction on how you run your business to work around economical downfalls or anything going on, you know, that is affecting business. You can change. Um, But those who are most willing to 
change are those who survive, you know? Gotta figure need to it adapt. out. You need to, yeah. Change is only constant in this universe. Well, on a as weird as less profound, on a less profound note, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I got a fo- another photo of you, Lance. I got one in the, in my inbox and I just wanted to, to share that with you. I just, oh, is that the wrong one? Um, shoot, that is the wrong one. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get the photo up here, but we got another chuck wagon. I, I'm so shocked that you have this, this closet lifestyle of raising chuck wagons and you never even talk about it on the air. I'm, I'm proud of you for that as well. I don't get much free time. I try to just keep my weird horse wagon Passion. hobby racing to myself. Okay. So, well, fair you enough. Know, try and keep it personal, but now everyone knows about my. Well, uh, yeah, our, our listeners fact. are onto it. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Russ, for sending that one in. It's pretty great. And uh, I'm hooked on watching the Chuck Wagons at this point. I'm, I'm watching every single weekend. I'm up to date. So uh, I'm excited to finally see you out there. I'll, I'll post that when you find me on, on the air. Anywho, so that cracked me up when that showed up in my inbox. But uh, let's see here. Amy, you've been, you've been out and about too, haven't you? I have. Uh, it's been a busy month. I haven't actually been in Nashville. Uh, most of the uh, things that we've recorded this month, I've been in multiple uh, parts of the U.S. So, uh, yeah, it's, first of all, it's good to be back in Nashville and to be back in the Nashville, uh, Float Nashville office um i've learned a lot about where we are incredibly weak so to give you to give you an idea uh at the beginning of this month i haven't shared much of this on air and i'm going to gloss over it but my father was very ill i had run up to uh pittsburgh actually um to take care of some to take care of some things while he was in the hospital and then i came back and two weeks ago when we were when we were on the air my father at that point was actually having uh, surgery to receive his new liver. He's having transplant surgery while we were recording this. And then last week he was in recovery. So um, I've been up in Pennsylvania a lot. And when you are, you know, a lot of times we don't plan for these things to happen. We don't plan to be away from right. our offices very much. Um, so when I'm out of town, it's a really great opportunity to find out where we suck, basically, is what it comes down to. <laughs> Or where I should say, no, let me, let me revise that, where I suck, where I have not given enough training, sure. where I have not given enough communication or direction. So it has been a true, <laughs> true learning experience. Um, and hopefully we can, we can talk about that one night because you never know. You know, uh, when the first year we opened, my business partner actually had a heart attack at the float center. Um, and I almost lost him. So wow. these things happen. So I'm going to put that out there for a future episode. Um, but the other thing I wanted to bring up is while I was in Pittsburgh, I had the opportunity to go and um, spend some time at Levity, uh, which is a float center there in Pittsburgh. Unfortunately, it was only about two and a half miles away from the family house where we stayed. And um, it was such an awesome experience. So first, I'd just like to thank them for being such an amazing host and for taking lots of extra time to show me their um, to show me their center and give me a tour and answer all my really super nosy questions. That <laughs> yes. was so awesome. And I know that takes up a lot of time because I run a float yes. center and, and some days it's like, I don't have time <laughs> to sit and give to people, but he gave it so generously. And That's I'm really cool. So grateful. Um, and I, not only that, I had an awesome float in the escape 
pod that he had there. Nice, nice. Uh, which was very nice. You have escape uh, pods. So home well, away yeah, from but the, home. Yeah, exactly. Well, it does, it was, it did. And that's why I told him, like, you don't know how good it feels to be able to float and then not have to clean up after yourself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was awesome. But um, before I left, uh, so I left cute. Mark in the middle of a big mess because we were doing a renovation. Oh, that's and right. We were putting in our brand new escape pod, but it wasn't in when I left. So I, I hadn't had a chance to float in it. So I got to float in the same exact model there at um, uh, at uh, Levity. So it was super nice, um, and I so enjoyed it, and I'm so grateful. And you made my time in Pittsburgh a very stressful, difficult, very little sleep time into a super awesome experience. And um, I just have a lot of gratitude, so I'm going to put that out there. That's Levity the magic of float centers. Right? Yeah, serious. It is Man, magic. Man, and- when the community shows up, it feels so good. I, I love it. When they're, when they're willing to, to give their time. And not to say everybody has to give as much time as they did to you every time, because that, that's difficult. But, man, it, it's, it's a good mm-hmm. feeling. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it, it felt great. Yeah, I've toured some. Thing. I was going to say, I toured some centers, and it feels good when they just open the doors to you. And they're just as excited for you to be right? there as yes. you are. And it's like, yeah, yes. family. Yes. 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 It's I know. so like, true. It's so true. <laughs> I know, and I love hearing the, like, so, okay, so one of the things that I really loved about Levity is there's so much of himself and so much of, um, of his family in all the little details. Like, for example, I thought this, I know he's going to be like, all the things she could have brought up, but on the floor in the room where he keeps his spa packs, I was looking, and the floor looked very coppery, and I was, like, looking close, I'm like, what's on your floor? And here he had actually taken pennies that was, that were given to him in support from his family and his friends. And actually covered the floor and made a penny floor um, and epoxied it. And I'm like, oh, how awesome. Every time you look at that, you think of all the people who were That's supporting rad. you. Because, you know, starting a flow center is one of the hardest things ever. And there's this beautiful, I, I thought it was, first of all, I thought it was a beautiful floor, I have to admit. I just thought it was so pretty. And I don't know how he did it, but I'm going to find out. Um, <laughs> but this it. really, it's a tiny detail, but it's one of those things that's like when you know, it's like, wow, the thought and the detail that goes into yeah. these things is cool. really awesome. So. Not only was it a, just a beautiful center, uh, well-run, but I loved the detail. That means so much to me. Yeah, you, you represent yourself. No matter how you make your flow center, you represent yourself. I love it mm-hmm. that he really consciously did that. that that's yeah. cool. Yeah, and he really did. So, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good time. I, I'm so grateful. Um, so thanks, Levity. You know, I found that uh, photo... If you want to check that out, this was uh, Lance in his latest track, Wagon Race. <laughs> oh, yeah, my, bl- my blue shirt. Yeah, yeah that's my... <laughs> Did you wear that to the float ra- conference, too? It's my <laughs> racing shirt. Float conference yeah. and racing shirt. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting choice. Uh, ah, nice. We'll, we'll throw that up on the website. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Enjoy that. Kids these Good. days. Oh, so... Amy, I, I've got a, a baby on the way. By the way, we're at 15 weeks. Well, about 15 and a half weeks here. Uh, 15 weeks, six days when, the, when this episode airs. In but case anybody who's really, counting? Yeah, not, right. certainly not me. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I won't get it. This is not going to become the baby show uh, yet. But um, <laughs> we're going to obviously have to step away for at least a month from the business when, when we have this little thing. And, and uh, I've, I've just... I hear so many stories about uh, how much attention it takes, how terrible sleep is, et cetera. 
So um, this will be a really cool test of the float shop, how it functions and operates, and how well we can prep beforehand. We're going to be having this thing uh, mid-November, so um, our little one will be joining us during the holidays, but between a lot of very important uh, commercial holidays. So that'll be really interesting to find out. Mm. Can we prep things well enough, hand it over well enough uh, to our employees and, and have everything run smoothly? So that's really exciting and fun and, and honestly like a, a really cool challenge that I feel like we were totally ready for. So that'll be good times. Awesome. Speaking of challenges, uh, we, we've been talking about like our sales numbers lately and like low number of floaters or high number of floaters. Mm-hmm. I think last month you had a low number and I was just killing it, feeling awesome. And then this month, just these tanks. I mean, oh gosh, pardon the pun, but just floats. <laughs> nobody was coming in, and of course, I yeah. there's a little hyperbole there, but it's it got super sunny out, and everybody's out of town. Um, school's not out yet, so you know the kids aren't floating yet. People aren't coming in from out of town yet to to visit Portland, and um, you know we just paid for a very expensive soundproofing and everything for our new float room, and it's like, <laughs> well, we got bills to pay, so. Uh, what we did was we did a sale, which, you know, um, we've certainly had sales before, but what was different about this one is we did a sale that was only discounted if you showed up between uh, like a week before Memorial Day through Memorial Day, so, something to that effect. So basically, um, there wasn't a promo code or anything like that. You simply scheduled, and, and when you came in to pay, uh, we discounted it. And we did a 25% off discount, which is a pretty hefty one, um, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. Do you guys think that's a big discount or not? No. Yeah, it's it's uh yeah, it's pretty good. We, I'm trying to think. I'm sorry, I'm trying to do math in my head, and I was so not expecting to do math. Um, so what was your? So could you tell us just so uh, nobody else has to do math? Um, because <laughs> you know, oh um, what is your price and what did you what did you put it at? Oh, so you're making me do the math. I see. So oh, totally. Uh... Well, you did the sale. <laughs> <laughs> so they're normally seventy dollars. We did uh, 25% off, which makes them $52.50. Um, okay. But uh, we also do did 25% off massage and float massage combos. And I'm not yeah. going to do the math for you on that one. That's okay. Um, That's okay. So, uh, you know, the way that I look at, is that a pretty good thing or not? I think a lot of it depends on what your overhead is and, mm-hmm. you know, how much how much space you have between your overhead and good point. Uh, and that $52. Yep. Um, so for us, that would, that would still be, that would be a significant sale. It would cut into our to our profit, but I would feel extremely comfortable and my clients would think that was awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, it was the, the, was it, should I have the tanks empty or should I have some amount of profit? Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it turned out, it worked out really well in, in my opinion. Good deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's really what matters. Right. 20, 25% off for us is um, essentially our monthly member rate. So if we offer anything, we don't ah. want to go like above 25% off because we don't want to take away from the advantage that our monthly members, members are already getting. So um, I think our three-pack discount, like if you were to buy a three-pack, I think it's about 15% off. So we usually like to stay in that, you know, 30 to, to 15% range when it comes to discounts. So I think you're in you're in a good number. That's a really interesting topic. And uh, maybe we should talk about that another time. But just when do your discounts basically discount your, your members? When do they, when could it potentially offend your members, you know? Um, I think that is a super, super good topic to uh, have one evening simply because, um, yeah, um, I've actually heard some stories about that lately and some very oh, really? angry customers. Hmm. Um, and I've heard it from customers and it's not in the float industry, but I, I thought okay. it was 
it, it really highlighted that idea. I think that would be a perfect podcast topic some night. Cool. Okay. That I hope other people from the community weigh in on. I've got some ideas on yeah, that. I, so, I yeah. sort of fear of that, so I, you know, nice. it'd be something good to talk about. Cool. So. Well, if any of our listeners already have ideas on that topic, leave us a speak pipe, com. leave us a voicemail, and we'll, we'll save that up for when we do that show. Cool. Um, oh, and what a final little thing here is we had an interview way back with uh, Shane Stah, and he encouraged me to create a Calendly account, uh, which is simply creating um, an online calendar where people could schedule time with you. You you say what time is available, what time isn't. Um, my life has become very odd. Like one of, the, <laughs> I don't uh, I don't have a nine to five. I don't work at the float shop very often, and I am a few times uh, this month. But in general, we don't really work in, in the shop. And so um, it's hard to manage my time. And then um, I've recently been doing consulting, and there's all these emails back and forth about setting up times. I was like, wait a minute. Who was that app he was talking about? And I went back to the show notes page with Shane Stott. I was like, Calendly. Okay, cool. And created, I created an account. And um, it's already given me so much peace of mind. It integrates with my Google, Google Calendar. Um, so if anybody's listening, if you're finding yourself in that situation at all where you do meetings with people in particular, um, what a great way to schedule meetings. I'm, I'm just loving that. So I just wanted to toss that out there. Good tool. I like that. Do you? Cool. Do I you, do. Do you use it? I, I don't, um, but I have been in a lot of meetings. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, we're getting to a point where Mark and I are, um, business partner Mark and I are reaching out and we are making contacts in the community. We are setting up a lot more meetings, and there is a lot of that back and forth. So I can see where it'd be a real time saver and eliminate a lot of those. Okay, well, what what time can you do? Well, something like this. What can you do? And uh, it goes back and forth for forever. So these yeah. days, I am searching for every single second I can save in my day. So I love tools like that, and I love nice. learning about them. Nice, excellent. Well, guys. Before we get to water maintenance, I want to give another shout out to our other sponsor, the Float Conference. Everybody's going to be there. Lance is going to be there. <laughs> Amy's going to be there. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking. I'm even thinking about going. <laughs> the Twelve blocks it takes to get there. And, no, uh, we're going to come and kidnap you. Okay, fair enough. Um, fair warning. One thing we haven't talked about. We talked about all like all the speakers, uh, all the the really cool um, float benefits. One of another interesting thing is the parties <laughs> are awesome. I was going to say the coffee, but yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Portland. We have great coffee um, and beer. You're into that. And beer. But, but they honestly, they cater the most fantastic parties. It's, yeah. it's about the one or two, you know, probably the one time a year. It's I'm, I'm you know, at a, at a catered party to that level at a, such a nice hotel and experiencing some really nice odors and it's uh, quite the experience where i get to pretend like i'm a classy citizen and talk to other people <laughs> about floating it's it's cool and i'll tell you what as someone who who was i was executive director for a nonprofit. i went to a lot of cocktail parties for a lot of business conferences and this is kind of the antithesis of those boring horrible <laughs> parties um uh. yeah I love, I love, I love the time that we all have together. Uh, like yeah. the, the um, especially the one when we all get together the night before everything starts, the welcome party. Mm-hmm. Best time ever. You run around, you see people you haven't seen all year. <laughs> lots Sweet. of squealing, lots of that really good Portland beer. 
um, life is really good. Oh, that's great. I love it. Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> I am. Floatconference.com, August 20th and 21st. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see you there. I'm excited. Ah, float water maintenance. So Lance, I think you're going to take this one. At some point, we got we to gotta start from the beginning. We got to add water and salt to our float tanks, right? And I actually see this question come up quite a bit. And before the show, we were talking, you know, how long does it take you to mix your water? How long does it take you to mix your water? And Lance struts into the room. <laughs> and how long does it take you to mix your water, Lance? Well, my business partner can mix water in 45 <laughs> minutes. Nice. You know? uh, Aww, yeah, no, when we, the first time we ever mixed water in our house, I think it was like six or six and a half hours. It was sort of ridiculous because uh-huh. like most people, we sort of followed the instruction as poor, as per the <laughs> the manual that was provided with the tank. Um and, and what, yeah. what was in the manual, if I might ask? I don't even remember. I okay, think, fair enough, fair enough. Let's just it, get to the It was the good just there was no science or anything oh, to it. It was like okay. dump in salt, dump in water, and yeah. And don't I, I dump don't in salt it. too soon. And uh, I had the same manual, Lance. Um, yeah, I had a ridiculous time my first time. So, yeah, I feel you. So when I mix salt now, I just mix the full tank yesterday or did no i don't even know what day it is a, f- a couple <laughs> days ago i mixed that new tank we had he's an entrepreneur <laughs> um, it, 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 it took me uh longer longer than 45 minutes let's say it wasn't working as hard but what i what i do is i cut the bags open i put in 50 pounds first and then i use the hottest water i can and i yep. mix that bag of salt up and then another bag and more hot water and then i start to dilute it and bring on more water as the salt goes in but i have this wicked little tool um it goes on the end of a stick. It's a rubber. It's like a, it's like a, imagine a rubber broom. So yeah, um, it's uh, a very soft, bristly rubber broom. And oh. I sort of take that and agitate the water and I mix it back and forth. So that's sloshing around as the hot water is being added. And as I'm slowly adding the salt, when I'm adding the salt, I'm also releasing all my anger and yeah. punching the salt. So there's no clumps. Nice. I like to good, break good. all that up because the clumps are hard to, to, um, to break down so yeah just i quickly agitate the water and slowly add the salt to the hot water mixture as anyone that has mixed salt knows that it's an endothermic reaction so as you're at the hot water is in there as you're adding the hot water and it's it's reacting with the salt that's sucking all the heat out so you'll get cold water your your boiling hot water will immediately turn cold so you want to try and keep that temperature up as much as you can um those with like heaters and their liners you want to be very careful um, when you turn on those heaters if you have i don't know if this is true or not but i believe just from like analysis from stuff like this from being a mechanic um, that endothermic that reaction that happens so if you have a clump of salt that is sitting on top of one of those waterbed heaters, um, that heater is going to be cooking hot. It's going to try and be getting that tank temperature up and that block of salt is going to be sucking all the heat from that heater. So you'll have a cold spot on that heater. So before we turn on our heaters, we make sure pretty much all the salt is dissolved and whatever is in the tank is away from the heaters. And we think that that will prolong the life of the heaters. Yeah, if if I can, if I can just add a little bit to that is uh, my understanding is that it does 
like ice, it, it creates insulation or, or like snow, it creates insulation. And so all that heat just gets trapped right in there. And if you ever break that quote unquote ice or that crystallized salt up, it, it, it'll, it'll burn you. I mean, it's so freaking hot. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, similar to what you're talking about. Um, we just try to always, if, if it's in a float tank with the, uh, the waterbed heaters underneath, just continually break it up, continually let mm-hmm. it move or make it move. Because if you let it settle, it, it does that crystallization, it creates insulation and it superheats. Yeah. And I, I encourage you when you are mixing that salt, break it up before it's in the tank. If you can clump it up in the bag or flip the bag on the ground a little bit to crump that up and that's going in it in your tank as granules, um, that's going to break down quicker. So I can and blitz, I have, I, Gotta interrupt you again. I'm sorry. I yeah, yeah. have never experienced that. What are you? Who do you get your salt through? You, you. Well, I guess we store our salt on top of each other, so and when we? it sits, sometimes it clumps up. Like I don't know. Maybe we're drier than where you keep your salt. But Emmy, do you experience that? Yeah, we do. We always oh. have to bang the bags on the mm-hmm. ground a few times, or else we get big blocks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But so, once again, it does say on the bag not to just you know to not to store it outside or not to have it in too hot or too cold conditions. And we do. So that's on us. Okay. Yeah, right. ours has sort of been out in our lobby stacked for a bit. Like every week we had 50 or 100 pounds per tank. But it's like, yeah, it, it's been sitting for a bit. So it does clump up. But okay. I always break that up before I go in the tank. There's nothing wrong with the salt. It's not dirty. It's There's nothing right, wrong. Right. It's just clumping. <laughs> no. So um, <laughs> I have seen people, like videos of people online that will like <laughs> go in their float tank and start stomping on their salt. Now, I have a few, like, no-nos with this. For one, those waterbed heaters that are used in a lot of these float tanks that have liners are meant to be under a waterbed. My parents, when I was a kid, told me never jump on the bed, let alone a waterbed. So those heaters are not meant to be stepped on, especially with all that salt. Because look at that salt under a microscope. What is it? It's all these jagged, sharp edges it's crystally edges and when you're stomping that in a liner you may be getting micro tears or micro holes in your liner that may eventually leak and burn out your heaters and like just don't stomp on your salt in your tank um it's not good for your heaters it's not good for your fiberglass it's not good for your liners just take your time and agitate the water let the let the water do the work for dissolving it I will say, and, and maybe you're right, but we, and so we don't have linered float tanks. So mm-hmm. we, we get in there. First, I got to say, all those crystals are beautiful and unique. That should be mm-hmm. noted. So once you get, we, I attribute it to like making wine in an old timey style. Like you get up there and you're, you're mashing it around and you know, you're, you're in shorts or your, your pants are rolled up and it's a ton of fun, but we are in fiberglass tanks. And I will say we're not stomping like we were making mm-hmm. wine or like how you were describing. We are, we are kind of in there and, and slushing it around and kind of more kicking it with our feet and mm-hmm. picking it up with our hands. What do you think yeah. about that? And well, everyone's going to be doing it differently and sure. some people may not know, you know, they're having fun with it or whatever they're doing, but right, right. You know, even if it is fiberglass, you're putting, as you stomp down that small surface area on your heel or whatever, that's putting it in a small area on your tank. That could be, you know, what's fiberglass. It's, it's glass that's pretty much wound together with, know an epoxy type thing and every time you're stepping on it you may be cracking that or creating a weak spot and last thing i want is to be a crack or a low spot in my float tank it's maybe it isn't a concern but it's something that if i can do it in a preventative if i can take a step to not damage my float tank i'm going to do it i'm just not going to step in my stomp in my float tank so um i don't want to test the waters and yeah (laughs) Uh. so and when when i usually mix all i don't 
I don't even get in the float tank. I just use my little tool and step out there and swish it around until it's it's all dissolved. But that, I'm not perfect. There's, there's probably better ways of doing it out there, but that's just how I've learned over the years of mixing salt to but do it my way. It sounds like you guys are doing it in under an hour and not getting super salty and soaked. So no. that sounds like a pretty good way to me. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's impressive. Thank you, Lance. Uh, what kind of what kind? <laughs> I'm so, always excited when like when uh, people talk about mixing salt in float tank facilitators. <laughs> I always want to like give my two cents, but I'm like, man, I can't do that much typing. Like, I'm way too passionate <laughs> about mixing salt to type all of that. You know, okay, what you got to do? Just record a video, or 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 even better yet, take a snippet from this episode, and then anytime somebody asks, you just like Control V, yeah. paste in the link. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't even introduce yourselves. Don't say anything. Just control link. Control yeah, link. There you go. <laughs> I'll sell that as an ebook. Uh, yeah, there you go. So, uh, do you guys all use medical grade Epsom salt? Yes. Yes. I, I know we've Farms, talked yeah. about this on the show previously. I, I yeah. think the overall consensus, uh, and don't don't jump on me on this one because I, I know there are caveats. But the from what we heard from the float conference was. Uh, they are processed exactly the same, except True. medical grade is tested. Uh, so more frequently, more, more frequently? frequently, right? Oh, more okay. frequently. Okay, more frequently. So thank you. So it seems as though you should be able to step down and not uh, to agri- agricultural and not have any issues. However, I've ter- hold, heard too many horror stories from other people who get agricultural and have had incidents. So apparently, there is some kind of a difference. There is. We started out with agricultural, just grade, just in the house, and we had it in the house because we uh-huh. didn't, you know, we didn't care um, at that point. It wasn't as uh, imperative. Sure, and sure. basically what we found out, uh, there's a reason why we use filtered water now. Um, we put agricultural grade in. We did have a um, reaction that created iron that floated to the top. And, um, you know, so, but, you know, we're floating at home. It didn't cause any other problems. There was no real issues. There was no smell or anything. So at home it was fine, but we just don't want to take any chances. At the float center, we can't afford to, um, to uh, you know, replace that amount of salt and water. So we now just err on the side of caution. Use filtered right. water. Use the pharmaceutical grade, and it's been it's been good. Well, I want to ask you about your your uh, water. What what do you mean filtered water? Um, so basically, you, you need to check, and and if you're in the U.S. anyway, your water provider. Uh, does keep track of basically they test their water and they tell you what minerals and that sort of thing are in the water which your water is made up of some people have more iron than others that can react with the h2o2 so uh, in nashville we happen to have certain areas where uh, those reactionary minerals are a little bit higher so in our case to err on the side of caution because we know that that's an issue with nashville water uh, or in this case davidson county water um we chose to use filtered water. That's not always the case. So that's just our our situation. Everyone's situation could be very different. So what do you mean by filter? Do you filter yourself? Do you go through an RO? Do you go we have a carbon Yeah, we filter? have a unit. Mm-hmm. Carbon uh, carbon filter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, you're talking to Lance about like better be safe than sorry. Um, mm-hmm. Like when it comes to your tank. That's how also I feel about adding water. Just be safe. <laughs> you know, let's put yeah. a filter on there. We just use like a standard RV, like carbon filter, something you use for drinking water. Um, I'd love to get an RO system, but that's for us, it's going to cost about three grand. But um, 
yeah, I, I've had this conversation with Matt a few times, uh, but I do think water is is fundamental. I'd love to see like distilled water or mm-hmm. RO water put in every float tank, but we don't live in the perfect land. Our water is full of iron, calcium, and dum 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 fluoride. We have uh, we have quite a bit of fluoride in our water, unfortunately. So uh, does that impact the coloration, or does it just burn through people's skin? Uh, it's just a big conspiracy thing. Yeah, it eats yeah. your pineal gland, and yeah, I don't like fluoride. I'm anti fluoride, but uh, and we actually have had people come in and say like, I have oh, to wow. lie in a pool of fluoride for ninety minutes. And I'm like, well, you shower in it, you drink in it, like you cook your food in it, and then huh. yeah, some people take it a little too far. Unfortunately, we do have fluoride in our water, and a fluoride filter is outrageously expensive, so, so we're stuck with it. So. Start a lobby group. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, you should. Uh, you should see Portland. If <laughs> I know, you want to see some people up in arms about Florida. <laughs> um, if I could just, I don't, I don't know, add a little synopsis to that. I just uh, having clean water go into your float tanks is going to be the most empowering part of mixing your water. Like from the get go, particularly if you're just opening a float center. I mean, we had a bad batch. We had one turn. Uh, uh, poo poo brown and we like literally you can float in that be completely safe and okay it's it's fine except that it looks it looks like poo poo so nobody's gonna want to get in there you can't uh let people float in that or, or nobody would, would want to i can't imagine the yelp reviews so just empower yourself as close as you can get to the main line and i've i've heard of people literally putting in a filter at at the uh the city source mm. so that everything mm. that enters the building is yeah. pure how beautiful yeah. is that you would be, I, I wish i wish we had that someday well, yeah for us we'll get calcium build up on our shower heads our, uh, our right. sink stuff stuff like this. so it would be nice to have like entry point filtration but oh. we don't yeah but wherever you can i mean i guess uh, really your attention and financials mm-hmm. will, will influence that at the very least, you can catch it when adding the water into your float tank. That's that's the yeah. I think one of the carbon filters just plugs in a garden hose. I think they're about twenty five bucks, and that will pull any of the iron, any deposits, yeah. any most of the junk that's in your city water system. Yep, um, that that's what we did when we opened, and that proved fantastic. You know, after we had the the poop and brown water, yeah. Uh, so once we get the water in, once it's all mixed, then we have to do maintenance. And the number one thing that I preach to people is change your filters. I, it's something that I find time and time again, (laughs) 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 if you look at that filtration system, where the pump is located, (laughs) yeah, uh, it doesn't matter if they're disposable, uh, if they're, they cleanable if they're, if they're reusable um i've heard um a little bit more advanced technique but i think the, the most basic thing you can do is spray them down you know get off the particulates and soak them in 50 50 or or i'm sorry soak them in bleach water i ah, shoot i'll have to post on the show notes what the percentage of bleach is uh where where we soak them but basically that just gets it entirely clean before we swap it out um and then there are some people who use filter cleaners which of course that's that's going to be great as well there are attachments you could put on your hose that's going to spray out the water in, in um, like those sprinklers you would run through as a kid. It'll, it'll spray it out like that at a high pressure to get into the filters and They're keep that awesome. stuff out. Um, <laughs> you know, we had one and we, we just stopped using it. Um, but you, you like it? Oh, yeah. Like that's that's our 
Ooh, we need that. That's our that's our tool. <laughs> All right, that's, cool. that's that's our comb. We yeah, didn't that's, have as um... much luck with that either. I have to be honest. Okay. We we ended up stopping some of it. Matt's a machine at cleaning filters then because like that that thing gets used multiple times a week um but what it does it sprays about 12 or 15 little tiny jets and it has these like these combs that you can start from the bottom and all the hair or whatever gets in there you you basically put it in your pleats and you like use the pressure to like put everything down so um what we do first is we pull out our filters we pull the hair out and then we go through with uh, the cleaner thing and we move everything from the top to the bottom. And then it sits in a filter cleaner overnight. And then we take it back out and flip it over and then use the filter comb to go the opposite direction. And then it sits in hydrogen peroxide. Soak. And then we rinse it out. That's how we clean our filters. Um, but that filter comb, I don't know how we do it without. We've had it since day nice. one. So nice. well, I know no other way. I, I can't argue with that. <laughs> that sounds great um but i yeah sorry Amy, go ahead no i was gonna say I, I wonder if it has to do with the size of the filter i don't know if y'all have seen Yay. our filters our filters cost 76 dollars a piece uh and yeah. they are about three feet tall uh, so yeah they're quite obnoxious and yeah we we just go pleat by pleat we have a sprayer that we do we open up the pleat spray everything down we have to spray mm -hmm. it with hydrogen peroxide first if we tried to soak it in something it would have to be bigger than a garbage can uh, right right it's oh that's obnoxious, crazy but they told us at the at the pool store that yeah spray it down with hydrogen peroxide we use i believe seven percent on that cool. and uh yeah just spray it down with water and open the pleat pleat by pleat walk you know kind of walk our finger walk our way around it mm -hmm. it's obnoxious um i, I feel I feel like I have so much to offer. This might be like a two-part episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just but, get into it. What, what else um, did you want to add, Lance? I just want to say, like, there's something I've been definitely looking into and I want to build in the future, which would totally take filter cleaning and almost make it hassle-free. But you can actually take an old upright uh, washing machine and you can convert it, put pegs in there. We can put four or five filters at once. And you can actually put it through, if you hook up a pump and, uh, like, a, a tank system, you can run filter cleaner through your whole washing machine and this washing machine will spin and clean your filters with a filter cleaner uh but yeah it's just something i'd like to build one day and if anyone has or seen one send me some info because i've i've poked around the web a bit and they're out there but yeah nice. rednecks yeah, like me like to have fun lancesfilterwasher.com <laughs> if you want to check that out they're on sale this week only so be sure to check that out don't i don't have that patented yet yeah. oh boy anyways moving on <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely take that out of the post uh <laughs> just <laughs> ah the show's not edited anyway um <laughs> oh shoot what did i want to ask uh, amy your the giant filter um how often yes. do you change it uh well we do I'll be honest, there are, most of the time we, sh we shoot for two times a week. If we are having a busy week, if we are full, constantly above 75% um, or 70%, then it gets changed even more often. Because we wow. find that if we do not change that filter, pretty much every problem that we ever have in our tank uh -huh. almost uh -huh. always stems from the filter not being clean enough or not being changed out enough. I love <laughs> you for saying that. That's so great. Uh, I, I, at least 90% of the problems that I hear about water quality are based on people not changing their filters. It's, it's the, the most common issue I've ever seen. With that being said, despite your giant filter, we don't change ours that frequently. 
we we ours is on once a week, and if we're noticing any issues, then we swap it out midweek. But uh, we're, we're on a once a week rotation, and it seems to be fine. So, we do have a, a setup for two two times a week deep clean, so it's just done automatically. Oh, okay. Simply as nice. part of the deep clean nice. process, so it's I just part it. of the system. Oh, beautiful. Mm, I love it. Change those filters, Sweet. people. Change the filters. The more frequently, I mean, I don't know that there's technical science. I mean, there's so many types of float tanks out there. There's so much type of flow rates and everything going on. Um, but at least changing them out once a week, putting a clean one in, um, and if you're still not finding the results you need, overdo it. Change it too often. Work a little bit harder for a few months and then find that right balance for you where you can kind of kick back a little bit and hit that, that sweet spot. Yeah, that's not about right? Good advice. Find what works best for you. That, that's the best sure. advice. We're still in the wild, wild west here. There's, there's no, yes. nothing definitive here. So. And, don't, and don't be scared to experiment either. Like I said, see what works best for you. <laughs> yeah, as far as, yeah, well, I do, okay, that's, that's funny. Why do you bring that up, Lance? There should be some concern with experimenting just because uh, uh, Amy, uh, Amy, my, my wife Sandra and I, uh, we're, <laughs> we're, uh, <laughs> uh, we're at uh, our first vacation, I think. Pretty sure it was our first vacation from the float shop in Hawaii, and we were so nervous to be leaving the float shop. This was years ago, um, and uh, we finally started unwinding, relaxing, having a good time in Hawaii. And then we got a phone call. Um, no, 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 no. We started getting text messages about the water in one of our tanks turning brown, and it was our open float tank. It was turning brown. We got pictures, and it was poo poo brown. It was really bad. Um, one of our employees started experimenting and added pretty much every concoction we have in our cabinets into the float tank. Uh, and <laughs> that's that sounds like playing, like it's not exp- knowledge based experimenting. Like yeah. I, I don't know. I, I yeah yeah yeah. Yes. No. No, Lance. I'm sure our listeners understand the difference. Between uh, just throwing random chemicals into a float tank and changing a filter more frequently. And yeah. open for the best. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, what I meant is like experiment is actually we've, uh, we went a year, over a year, changing our filters every week. And now actually we've implemented, I think I spoke about this on the podcast before, but we've in- implemented something else into our system and we are now changing our filters bi-weekly. So... Um, we use, um, and a lot of, a lot of float tanks will come with sort of a hair basket in your, your pump pack. So there'll be a basket where you, there'll be a clear lid, you can take it off and there'll usually be a basket in there that I think is usually designed to collect leaves or debris or something you'd see in an outside pool or spa. Um, but we actually put, um, nets like, uh, it's a filter net sort of inside of this, this hair basket and what this does is this will catch any hair debris oils whatever's in the water before it gets the filters so when we are changing our filters every week before we had this basket with the net in it um, we'd have to be pulling out we'd pull out tons of hair we'd pull out tons of stuff from inside the filter like the actual cleaning before we went to the filter comb would be pretty intense now when we pull the filters out you may find one or two hairs on the filters, but the basket will be full. Like that, that is, that collects everything that collects oils. You can actually see like oils collect on the net itself. Hair, there's been an earplug sucked in there. There's, you know, 
that's that's our gem. So we we change that out every single week, and that's allowed us to extend our filter life. Is this the right way of doing it? Um, I don't know. You tell me. We've sent in water samples, and they've came back good. So I don't know. This is the water quality thing. Like you said, it's the wild, wild west. Um, we're trying something. It's working for us. We're confident in our water. We know yep. it's sanitary. It's clear. Um, check, 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 check. Right. I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. So, nice. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and, the kind of experiment I can get behind. And and that's part of your system as well. Like for Mark and I, the way that our our filter basket is for our and our the way that our filter is hooked up. Uh-huh. So I bought some. I was really excited, and Mark was like trying to manipulate. So it's not it's, it's not set up the same way. So we can't use the mm-hmm. nets. And Mark was trying mm-hmm. to like manipulate the nets, and he was trying to cut and create his own nets. And he's like, "Please don't make me keep putting these in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Please don't." Um, so yeah, you really do have to work with your own with your own system because mm-hmm. we do have all these little different works every single one of us yeah and like equipment out there like if you want to add a part onto your float tank or your float system you can do that like if there's a different filter you want you can put in a different filter you just got to do your research maybe not sorry amy shaking her head not (laughs) in tennessee i should have i should have known that well ahead but you know i I do yeah i just wanted to put that in there because everybody does have their own regulations so i don't want to say like i guess yes that's very true. I'm not stuck with this whole NSF, like whatever's going on with some of these places that are audited hardcore like you are. I know. It's crazy. Um, and I do feel bad for those centers. Um, I always want to improve should. our system to make it the best it can. And um, we're always looking to do that. So we're, we're fortunate enough we can. And uh, yeah, so I shouldn't speak That's too freely awesome. about that. No, and it's true because our system is not is not a good one, um, and we have been fighting it for a long time. It is it's not the best, and it makes our life more difficult because we do have to clean more because of the way that our filter mm-hmm. is and what we're required yeah. to use. So I think that's awesome, and I I'm actually all behind. It. I wasn't saying that to detract, but I'm actually behind everything that you say. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wish we could because I think it's smart. I think it's yeah. smart play and mar- and smart experimentation. Yeah. Um, that's what innovation. That's when innovation happens. Yeah, That's and we're, it's so it's it's a time in the industry where you know people do need to be taking this to the edge, taking this to the next level, doing what they can to contribute in the tomorrow of of the the flotation world. Yes. So, sorry. Well, no, dude, sorry. fantastic. <laughs> I'm inspired. Uh, pH and alkalinity is another important one um, when it comes to maintaining float tank water. If if your pH or your with its base or, or acid, if it's too high, you're going to irritate people's skin. It's important to uh, keep keep things at a proper pH, and the alkalinity is going to be linked to that. Um, I think I'm not sure if a lot of people know this or not, but if you throw Epsom salt, it, your your regular Epsom salt that they use to that you normally add to your float tanks, that's going to increase the acidic level. And so what we'll find is that the pH might start dropping, and when we add you know, a couple 50 pound bags of Epsom salt into the float tank or even just one, it'll start to balance it out. So, um, that's nice for us. I know there are also pH up and pH downs, but, um, and, and we certainly own those. Although for pH down, we usually just use baking soda, some good old fashioned arm and hammer baking soda. Um, but if you're more comfortable with the pool stuff, I, I believe it's going to be doing the same thing. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, but, um, yeah, we always want to keep that within a nice range, which, shoot, I actually should have had this prepped, but, sorry, go ahead. 
I'll, I'll actually, what you're just going to say, I was going to say that range, I think, is um, that we keep it at is between 7.2 to 7.6, but some people keep that between 6.8 to 7.6. Um, yeah, again, it's um, it's what your jurisdiction, I guess, tells you to keep it at. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, that should be our big caveat for the episode. Yeah, yeah, we do. We have to keep ours. We're required to keep ours between 7.2 and 7.6, but... Um, Mark used to have a pool business, and he liked it on the lower end. He, it felt better on the skin, he said, mm-hmm. at about 6.8 to 7.0. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have those restrictions, um, yeah, explore that. Right, right. And I've never noticed a difference, but I'm, I'm pretty easy when it comes to floating. I don't notice most of the, the changes. So. so I've never been burned. Before we move on to alkalinity, I know ugh, – there is a few ways to test for pH and alkalinity. Um, quite a few ah, ways, actually. Yes, um, I'm yes. curious, what are you guys using, and um, why do you choose to use that method? Uh-oh. I feel the, the sweating under the spotlight here. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, we use, oh boy, I feel like I'm going to say a dirty word here. The T word, we use test strips. Uh, and, uh, we're very aware that they're very inaccurate, that, uh, they go bad, um, that really it's up the per- to the perception of the person who's testing it. And even that can be, you know, they can measure differently based on whether it was in for one second or 1.2 seconds, you know, so, or how long you waited to compare it to the, to the canister. Now, how, um, is there a specific brand you use? Like, do you stay consistent with what brand of test strips you're using? Because I've known we've tried about five or six different brands, and they're all a little bit different. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, we, we do always use uh, Scientific Solutions. I want to say is the brand name. I'm, okay. I'm a little on the spot here. I'll, I'll put it in our show notes. And of course, if you want to use these test uh, strips, go ahead and go through artofthefloat.com and use our <laughs> referral links where the, <laughs> the podcast will make a few pennies off that sale. Um, they're very simple. They're disposable. And yeah, we do go through the same, same people every time. So even if they are incorrect by a few percentage points, it's they're like consistent. Least, incorrect. They're consistent. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah which, which means something. It, it yeah, does. no. Because I... once we find a groove, that's the groove we want to stick with. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Amy, you want to answer? His yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, when they come to do their surprise, and when I say they, I should say the health department, when they come to do their surprise um, uh, visits, which they do multiple times a month, um, they do ha- use the test strips. Um, we do use the test strips to stay consistent. Mark does not like that. Once again, Mark has, my business partner has a pool um, company background. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we use it to get, stay consistent, and it's what our health department. Um, inspector uses as well so we just keep it like that so we make sure that when he comes there's not going to be any surprises and i wish i could tell you the brand off the top of my head i can i can see the package uh, we buy it through our pool supply company but i cannot what color is I it cannot tell you the, it's a it's a blue <laughs> container with a yellow it's cap a, aqua check aqua okay. check four and ones <laughs> Uh, um, Look at you! You go, Lance, on fire! Dang, I I just had (laughs) something I was going to say. Oh, I was going to say. So, uh, people in the industry are probably saying, like, why are you saying not to use strips? Like, if they don't have any experience, why, why not strips? Well, currently, from what we understand right now, the Epsom salt in our solution is reacting with something in these test strips that make it not accurate. So, 
yeah, there's different methods. There's drop test kits. Personally, we um, we do test strips as well. Aqua checks, same one as you, Amy. Uh, but we also have the drop tests um, at our studio as well. But <laughs> we can take all our brands of test strips and our drop test, and they're going to be usually pretty close. But which one do you pick? Like we've just picked a brand, we use the Aqua Check, and that's what we go with. Like like you, Dylan, we're a, an inconsistent, inaccurate test strip, but it works whoa, whoa, whoa. for us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to correct the, myself, there, it was uh, the brand is S E O H Swimming Pool Test, um, and that's a three in one chlorine, alkalinity, and pH. Uh, which reminds me that we all use hydrogen peroxide in our float tanks. Um, uh, if, if you are maintaining your chlorine, obviously that's going to be a good tester for you. But um, bromine does not register with these test strips. And I don't know what exactly is happening, if it actually is maintaining the water or if that there's some chemical reaction with the test strip where it just doesn't show up. Um, well, it's a, it'll be a different pad. That one's for chlorine. Um, the bromine ones are a different strip. So usually uh, they're yes, a three-in-one so, or a four-in-one. Thank you. And y- you're right. And... Even with the bromine test strips, bromine doesn't show up in a float tank. It disappears very quickly. Uh, do you, are you guys aware of this? Yes. I, I have heard, yes, I have, I've heard that. I'm aware. Uh, and that, actually, I use bromine in my hot tub. Right, at right. Home. So that's yeah. the only thing I know about it. But you don't have a thousand pounds of Epsom salt in your, your hot tub. That's very yeah. true. <laughs> they, they wouldn't let me put it in. <laughs> So I, I should, we should just warn everybody, A, that we are biased in the fact that we use hydrogen peroxide. We did start with bromine in our float tanks. Um, we stopped using that, um, A, because we just didn't like the idea of um, chemicals being absorbed in your skin. If there's a way that we could do it without that, that'd be great. Oh, and, and clients actually didn't like that either, uh, laying in uh, bromine water for so long. And the other was that uh, the hydrogen peroxide does show up on test strips. So we wanted to, to switch to that. Now, again, uh, this is where Amy would raise her hand and say, it depends on your jurisdiction. <laughs> I always like to put that out there just so that people always check first so they don't make any mistakes that might hurt them or yeah. cause them to get fines. Or <laughs> I always I worry mean, about that because for us, it would. it would. We would get fined or we would get shut down right. for some of these things that sound ridiculous but true. So just always check um, and then experiment your little heart out. <laughs> Innovate your little heart Safely. out. I think it's awesome. Yeah. And- one thing you missed on the chlorine and bromine side of things, you say it's absorbed through the skin and stuff like that. But another thing is we're different than a, a spa or a pool and float tanks are usually uh, enclosed space. Yes, so with the yes. chlorine and bromine, you are off gassing and that is going to irritate the eyes. It's going to irritate the nose, the respiratory system and so on and such forth. But um, yeah, that's one of the big reasons why people are, are using hydrogen peroxide. It's, it's a way superior chemical for disinfection, especially when combined with uh ultraviolet light, which I'm pretty sure all of us are using both those combinations. Yep. That's so, correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent yeah. point. And, uh, yeah, hydrogen peroxide, actually the disinfection of that is affected by your alkalinity and pH too. So if your alkalinity and pH is out of range, you may not get as good as disinfection as, um, everything that is properly balanced. So that's one more thing to, yep. uh, yep. think about and just, uh, be careful when working with this stuff. It sucks when you burn your skin. I tell everyone to be careful with it, and I'm I'm an idiot with it. I never wear gloves, so I'm always burning myself, and every time I'm shaking my head saying, why? So yeah, I find the burns very interesting just because they yeah. don't show up right away, and then you're talking yeah. to a customer, 
And then you realize there's this screaming pain in your finger. At least that's how I remember it. Yeah. But remember, too, it can really affect you res- uh, the respiratory aspect as well. So I know we train our employees, you know, mm-hmm. use the gloves, use the, res- uh, the respirator, use the goggles. If anything ever got, if any of that 35% got in your eyes or even Oof. we have, uh, it bothers my, uh, bothers my lungs. And we have another, he's gone now, but we had another employee who... Um, who really was super sensitive to it, and it really bothered her um, respiratory um, system. So keep that in mind, respiratory mm-hmm. as well as gloves. And it's uh, yeah, some for safety's sake. Especially when cleaning inside the float tank. Um, <clears throat> I knew when we uh, when we started doing our weekly cleanings, uh, we would get inside the float tank with a spray bottle and start from the back and spray the walls to disinfect them and move forward to the front. But that whole time you have this hydrogen peroxide air that you're breathing and it's it it irritates everything. Now we do it a little different. I sort of took some inspiration from you, Amy, and we got a weed sprayer and we reach our, we have a long wand on it and we reach right to the end and we soak the inside of the float tank with hydrogen peroxide. We jump in and and do our shower and let it off gas. And you know, that can be anywhere to about 10 minutes. And then we jump in and that gas has gone out and then we can wipe down the tanks. But um, we, we learned our lesson. I'll just say it at that. Um, leave it at that. We, we learned our lesson being in the float tank with a spray bottle. Um, yeah. Be safe. Chemicals, they're and serious. Even <laughs> serious. something like hydrogen peroxide, we see it as being so innocuous. But it can mm-hmm. really hurt mm-hmm. membranes of the lungs and the eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, can, we, can we get a link up to what you guys have purchased? The weed sprayer? Oh, I, absolutely! I, uh, I guys, I'm, I'm so impressed. I, I want to get one of those for our employees. That's, that is really good stuff. Yeah, no, super inexpensive. Cool. Well, hey, now I'm really so. Now I really <laughs> care about my employees' health. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's fascinating because um, how I've used the weed sprayers. I don't know if you've ever had somebody that gets in the float tank and they're a little odory or per- perfumey, or they just have their own, <laughs> let's say, unique smell. <laughs> if um, I ever have that midday. Uh, I have this like tank tool setup. I'm super proud of. It's like this specialty tool setup I've put together for cleaning tanks. But between floats, I can actually pressurize this thing, soak the tank, and then I have this wand with sort of a microfiber sort of squeegee thing, where I can use that and scrub the walls down of the tank in a matter of like two or three minutes, and that usually will kill some of that perfumey, odory smell. So nice. um, that. That weed sprayer, great addition to the float center. I want to get one mixed with hydrogen peroxide, which we have. And sorry, I want to get one mixed with vinegar as well because, um, yeah, they're just handy. Yeah. I love it. It changed a lot of things for us as well. And actually, I, I can't take all the credit for that idea. I actually got that idea from Brooks Brinson. They are at Ohm Float Center. So hmm. shout out and to him. He's the one how, who turned us onto it. How long have they been open for? They just opened it probably not even two months ago. Their new space, their new location, because he was oh. out of his home. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, Got yeah, it. yeah. Got it. Um, cool. So, uh, Lance, I think you, you spoke kind of going into the next uh, topic of cleaning the float tanks. And, Amy, how often do you clean the inside of your float tanks? Yeah, so we, we do have a uh, system in place where it gets done twice a week. Um, one is done on when during our closed hours. The other one is done at, as we can get in between um, clients during. Oh, the is week. that right? Okay. Um, and and then a lot of that depends on how 
busy we've been. Like, this week has been pretty dismal, I'm going to be honest. So, this week, you know, we got one really good clean in, and we do spray down the float tanks with the H2O2 every night. Uh, mm. So, we probably will not do a second cleaning this week. Um, there's just no yeah. need for it. Unless, oh, you know, suddenly it. we have a rush of people coming in. But um, but we do have it on the schedule, and and it goes as scheduled unless... We decide otherwise, unless there's a reason to decide so otherwise. Are you triggered like a, a day and time triggers it, or are you triggered by capacity? So mostly it's it's day and time. We have it on the schedule, and but just like this week, we're looking at it. We're like, well, there's really no reason to do it twice. We're gonna mm -hmm. devote that time to something else. But yeah. it's always done unless unless we sit down and have a good reason not to. Um, mm -hmm. And then on high capacity weeks, or if, like if one week we've had. I will never forget uh, when we had hair dye go in the tank or we had one person decide to use essential oils in their, no. their <laughs> practice. Um, there was some extra cleaning that needed to be done that week, but we do spray it down every night. So, um, so at least it gets that done. <laughs> and, you know, systems are important. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. It just makes sure it gets done is what we've learned the hard way. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that's great leading into our final just odds and ends portion of having a schedule. My gosh, like there's no questions about it. Uh, it's just getting done. So if you're, if it's just part of your schedule that something gets cleaned twice a week or the filters have changed twice a week, then great. You don't ever have to consider it or think about it or go like, oh, can we squeeze in during this transition and get a filter change? Oh, but the person was late and getting out, so I, we don't have time. You know, try to remind the next person on shift. All of a sudden, you know, that, ah. Uh, Having set times to do things is great. Having a schedule. Yeah, we, we do our maintenance every single Monday, and it's the same thing every week. And we encourage, we want all of our employees to be participating in Mondays because we believe it is uh, crucial to understand the guts of running a float center. Ooh, like nice. when you're in there and you're bouncing around that float tank trying to stay stable and not get salt water in your eye and scrub the walls and the liner, like you understand what goes into, you know, running a float center. Um but we have we have checklists that we go through throughout the day to make it sort of a seamless process. So when you get in the morning, first thing you do is you do your level checks and then you uh, immediately shower and or jump in the float tank, scrub the inside of the tank. And then you add your water, your salt, adjust any levels that need to be done. And then you uh, wipe the outside of the tank, you wipe the walls, you wipe the trim, you change the filter, you change the hair basket. Um, we add water clarifier. We add a natural enzyme and then uh, circulate that for an hour. And then last thing we do is stock our shelves, stock our soaps, and wax our float tank every week. We uh, give our float tank a coat of wax that helps prevent any of the salt from sort of sticking. We can pretty much wipe with a towel and yeah. everything comes right off the float tank. And um, sometimes when you put our house coat on the float tank, it's actually, after we wax, it just sort of slides off the back. <laughs> so uh, it, uh, it definitely feels good to have a nice, shiny, smooth float tank, just like when I shave my balding head. Also feels good. So. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you wouldn't know. Oh. You wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you mean when you say house coat? House coat? Like, oh, dang. What do you call them? Robes. Robes. Oh, got is it. that what you call them? We call them. I don't know why. That's just what we call them. Maybe I not smiled, everyone, nodded, but... and, and tried to be polite, but I wasn't sure what you were talking about. And then all of a sudden, I was like, "You know what? I bet there's a listener out there that might also not know what that means." So I I'm, I'm sure a I'd couple, ask. a couple listeners. <laughs> Maybe anybody south of the border. 
the Canadian border. Please give this um, episode a like if you know what a house coat is. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. That, uh, anyway, uh, speaking of the odds and ends, have you guys ever walked into a room and it smells like a, a locker or the float tank itself? It smells like like you open the lid, it's like, ooh, wow, it's just that 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 bitter uh, body odor smell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was sort of intending that when I said unique odor, <laughs> when I yeah. was just being yeah. there, that's yeah. the odor I meant, you know. And and so, what are what are the steps that you do if you if you walk in and you find that? What are you gonna do? Uh, oh, I can take this one off, Amy. Sorry. Uh, we every time we filter, we like to leave our tank door open. That's a huge one. Uh, that lets the air exchange out and move. We also have an oxygen concentrator where we can make sure that's on and that will get the air moving out. But again, I take that weed sprayer, which is not full of chemicals, full of hydrogen peroxide, and <laughs> we spray our walls of the tank. And then I have that microfiber sort of squeegee brush thing where I can at least agitate the walls and um, and wipe it down. If, I, uh, if there's still an odor... Um, well, hopefully there isn't, but if there still is, you sort of just, I guess, have to hope for the best. But that's that's what I've come up with. That's what usually yeah, so kills it for me is scrubbing I, the walls. I, I would say that the very first thing is exactly what you're talking about. It's it's probably some kind of bacteria surviving on the walls of the float tank. That's most likely. I think the number two thing is check your water. Make sure that you still have active whatever your sanitizer is, whether it's hydrogen peroxide, bromine, chlorine. If, if that's dropped down, then something's surviving in there. Like, or somebody, I don't know exactly what happened, but somebody who's very, uh, somebody ate up a lot of that hydrogen peroxide, basically, enough so that there's still stuff surviving afterwards and then, and then um, thriving in there. And then the final thing, which would be a later thing, is swap out that filter. Get a fresh filter in there if you can. So, that, that pop quiz. I think this sort of backs us up a bit. We sort of missed something. Like, how much? Oh. Do, when do you check your water? Like, do you check it once a week? Uh, do you check it once a oh day? How once a month? Uh, we check ours once a year. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're on the annual plan. Yeah. Filters much so. cheaper with those test strips. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those H two O two strips are expensive. <laughs> you know, if you let them dry for a year, they're actually good again. They're they're reusable. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, good okay. question. So, so oh, Amy, I'll take so. I'll start with this because we are in Tennessee and we are regulated. We are required <laughs> to take our to take our uh, our uh, numbers three times a day and keep a log. So three mm. times a day we check everything, at least, and we do that, check temp temp between everybody. That's us as well, Amy. We're three times a day as well. So yeah. we are two to three times depending on obviously occupation of. Of how many people are floating in there? And so, so what are you checking for three times a day? Are you checking specific gravity? Are you checking yeah. height? Are you checking? Alcohol? Oh, good, good point. More good questions. Actually, we, you know, let's yeah. just run through everything, Amy, and all of us should just say everything that we're checking. Okay. Uh, well, we do check. Oh, go ahead. No, no, oh, sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> this is good so pod. We, this is good pod, people. <laughs> we do check height. We do check. Make sure there's at least ten inches. We check H2O2 levels, we check pH, we check specific gravity, and we check temperature. Like I said, for us, we check temperature between every single client just to make sure uh, because it tends to fluctuate, especially during change of seasons for some crazy reason. So let's, I want to hold this here um, with, with water temperature. So if you notice your water temperature is low, 
Um, I know the heaters will take a couple hours to catch up on temperature. What do you do? If you know your water temperature is low, do you adjust it right then and there? or? Well, I don't know if you've seen pictures of our <laughs> filters, um, but when we run our filters, it heats the water, but it's so big and it generates so much heat. When oh, okay. we run our filters, it jacks it up really fast, which is su- so, which is kind of difficult in that we are required to run our filters um, three to five times between every client. So we're constantly fighting that it goes up and then it comes back down. So do you have inline heaters or is that just your... No, we have we have um, liners and oh. pads. Okay. And so we, with our Tranquility float tank, we have the waterbed heaters underneath and that, that heats it up so quickly. I would say 10 minutes we can get three to four degree change. Hmm. Wow. I, I would say more than that. I would say faster than that. We we can move that puppy around. So. Uh, when it comes to the inline heater, or, or just so you know, we have waterbed heaters and inline heaters. Yeah, the inline heater, I could see that skyrocket in a matter of minutes. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. also a beast. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, those are all great things to be checking. That's for sure. I know um, neither of us or any of us use it, but um, there are people that have to check ozone multiple times throughout the day too with an ORP meter. But um, none of us are using ozone in our systems. So That's true. Yeah. Uh, I assume nobody's using, what is it called? A, is it a brominator or a... Huh? Shoot them. Ozonator? Yeah, anyway. uh, yeah, well, yeah, there's the ozonator, but... I think I was thinking of just an auto doser. Does anybody use an auto doser for, for their float tanks? Um, I want to be. Um, yeah. We've looked into it. I, we will be purchasing them quite soon because um, we've got our dosage down pretty consistent where we can add the same amount at the same time every single day. And we're monitoring um, right between our 40 to 80 parts per million where we like to keep it at. We like to keep it on a bit higher side. Some people don't like that. Um, that's what we like. So. Nice. That's gosh. Uh, that's another good point of what should your yeah, like, uh, hydrogen peroxide levels be at, and I like think I as said, long as you I have active, this... sorry, go ahead. a dual dual episode. So basically, as yeah. long as you have active <laughs> hydrogen peroxide, you're good. But I think a safe range is somewhere like Lance said, somewhere between 50, 80, 100 is probably where you're going to want to max out at. Yeah. Um, I notice if we go over 150 parts per million, um, you'll start to notice these tiny little bubbles um, start to form on your back and skin. And that's just that's just the hydrogen peroxide doing its job. And uh, you'll feel those bubbles come off and sort of pop up to the surface. But that's um, if you ever feel that, that may be an indication of uh, high hydrogen peroxide levels. So uh, what about the brown water? This is one that uh, I hear about a lot as well, which is somebody mixes their batch and, it, and it's brown, or it goes brown later, later on. Um, what are your guys' first? What, what are you going to do if you, you walk in one morning and you've got brown water? So in our case, I'm sorry, I was <laughs> watching there. Uh, so, doesn't want to answer. <laughs> In our case, we, um, so like I said, we did have this happen in the beginning. We figured out pretty quickly. It was an iron thing. We were able, um, so we, uh, we will run the tank. Usually if we just run the tank, uh, shock it a bit with hydrogen peroxide, um, it eventually clears itself up. We've never had an issue where it stays or causes panic or was bad enough that we've had to turn away floaters. Um, so I may not be the best person to answer this, but I do find shocking with H2O2, letting the tank run, usually solves the issue for us. 
Yeah, I've never had that happen, but I can contribute my two cents where I think Amy's right on point. First thing first I would do is check my levels, um, make sure everything is in range, your alkalinity, your pH, your sanitizer, um, even your tank temperature, like that could be vital. Um, But check everything first, and then um, I would turn it on, get it running. Um, If need be, change that filter, get a new filter in there, and then shock it. Give it a good dose of your your sanitizer, and uh, it it should clear up. Hopefully it clears up. Um, Really need to find what that brown mess is in your flow tank, if it's hair dye, if it's boo-boo. If it's uh, <laughs> whatever it is, you know, no one wants that brown float water. I think that's uh, every yeah. float facilitator's fear. New group. Um, yeah, I think the, I think in general, it's iron in the water that, that causes it is or, or some kind of a reaction. Well, yeah, I think it's also possible that you can add a chemical into the water that also has an element in there that, that can change the color. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily yes. think it is all always iron, but I think a good rule of thumb is to blow air on it, run those filters, keep the lid open, swap out the filters as often as possible. If you have time, that should bring the water back to a clear point. Like when we first opened, we were at a point where we, I think we tried it for 24, maybe 36 hours. I mean, our water was dark brown it was so bad our filters were running 24 7 for you know 24 hours straight and uh we weren't even sure if we were seeing a difference or not i think we were starting to towards the end um to see it get more to a a brown tea color but but it wasn't you know we had to float people so we we dumped that batch i'm i don't know I'm assuming it was in the um, Epsom salt itself that we had, that first batch of Epsom salt that came with the float tank. We bought the tank used, and I don't know. I, I honestly don't know where they had where they got that Epsom salt from. I, I wish I knew what I know now to analyze it. Go ahead, Lance. I'm just saying, like, used tank. There have been horrors out there where people have bought a used tank and people have properly drained the, the pump pack or the filter pack or whatever's on there. So it may look clean. It may look dry. But when you fire that up, you may get four or five liters of rusty, dirty old water. So always, always, if you're buying a used tank or selling a tank, please drain that stuff. That could damage, you know, your, that's going to wreck your seals. That's going to wreck everything. So just always be cautious if you're buying secondhand. Or you could do what I did uh, with my flotarium float tank. When we first got that, I hooked up the pump backwards. So the filter had been, this, the, instead of sucking in through the skimmer and blowing out through the bottom, it was doing the opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had no idea. So just tons of ancient particulates uh, blasted into the float tank. So mm-hmm. that was fun. Good oh, learning experience. Man. I had no idea what a filter system was at the time. I was just putting together parts, you know. So. Another good five years ago, six oh. years ago. <laughs> Never forget those lessons, do we? Yep. yep. Um, what, what were you going to say, Lance? Um, I was going to say quite a few things, but what's on my mind right now <laughs> is um, we were talking about brown water. Um, I've never experienced it, but working with bromine, I know that's an issue for a lot of people that deal with bromine. Yes, I know the yes. province next to us, BC, a lot of people there use bromine, and, and some of the centers actually run specific like black liners in their float tank just because the bromine is so hard with discoloring things. Um, so another reason to try and avoid that if... You know, your jurisdiction approves of that. But, um, yeah, yeah Lance, again, I just want to verify I've heard that as well. <laughs> again, um, 
brown water could be anything. It could be somebody who just got their hair dyed, never mentioned anything, and that two hundred dollar hair care just went right into your thousand dollar tank water. So, <laughs> um, run those pumps. Run put, those a, pumps. put a put a um, charcoal filter in. Uh, I think it's particularly good for getting out the hair dye. There's if, also if your system can do that. <laughs> there's <laughs> yeah. also a couple um, other chemicals we're actually using um, weekly. Um, I spoke of them. Uh, one is Spa Perfect. Uh, that's a natural enzyme. Which what that does is that uh, um, that eats organic material and sort of biodegrades it. So it just gets rid of some of that stuff that's that's lurking in the tank. And um, the water clarifier, um, that's just blue little gel. We put about 15 milliliters in there a week. And uh, that takes some of the particles or the oils or any of the really stuff, any of the stuff that would pass through your filter. And that sort of clumps it together and allows it to be caught by your filter. So um, we can really see that in our hair nets come through because um, our hair nets will actually have this blue layer in there and that is oh. that is the clarifier doing its job grabbing the oils and clumping them up to actually uh be caught so that's and lance i was nope. gonna say real quick you mentioned in the past you mentioned that before in the past show could you to give us again the name of the water clarifier that you use the water clarifier I believe it's a canadian product it's called arctic pier i know it's by a north america or a canadian manufacturer of hot tubs but um clarifier is arctic pier and um the enzyme is Spa Perfect by Natural Chemistry. So, cool. we'll get those up on the show notes as well, and uh, and we'll we'll see if we can find an American version as well. And just man, I feel like I have so much to offer this episode. Like, I'm sorry, Go guys, for it, but Lance. just for like when I've seen people like say I've added a cap full of this chemical or I've done this, I've done this. Please, people, um, when you're adding chemicals, any of these clarifiers, enzymes, pH up, any of this, use precision. Like on eBay, you can get a scale that can be used for weighing your weed or your spa chemicals or whatever, <laughs> but it's like $5 in your jurisdiction. <laughs> in your jurisdiction. And um, <laughs> these scales will measure if you're adding 30 grams of pH up you know you're adding 30 grams, not an approximate capful. Um, for any of our liquid chemicals, our hydrogen peroxide, our clarifier enzyme, we use syringes. You can pick them up at your local hardware store, your veterinary supply store online. Um, but yeah, if we're adding 15 milliliters of something, we're getting 15 milliliters. Um, it's just something simple that I, I often oversee conversation and float facilitators of people just saying they're dumping chemical in and just sort of scratch my head, but yeah, use measuring devices, track everything, write it down. Well, while you're on a roll, Lance, um, how about getting your water tested? How important is that? Um, how important is it? I wouldn't say that is the most important thing. Um, for some people, it may be very expensive in running a float center. It may not be feasible to be paying $150 a week per every tank. <laughs> it, um, it is expensive. Yeah. Um, luckily, um, our health department rocks and we get free water testing. Um, but we spent over a year sending in samples every week of each of our flow tanks. And it just gives you sort of basic information. Um, and we've had issues come up. We've got rid of them and we've had evidence of it, which is nice. But um, I, I would encourage you if you can at once a quarter, maybe a couple, maybe once a month, send in a water sample to make sure the methods you are using to keep your water um, at proper levels are actually working. And um, can, 
Can you imagine if every float center started doing that, how much the game would change, just how much the quality of floats would go up, of, of the water quality? I, I uh, just... If every float center starts testing their water, I'm going to start a water sample business, but nice. <laughs> there's a lot of float <laughs> centers now. Um, is it crucial? Like, like I said, we spent over a year doing water samples and we've um, got a system that works for us where our samples are coming back good and good and good and good. We go, do we really need to waste more government money and send in samples every week if we know uh, the disinfection methods we are doing are coming back? So we'll occasionally once a month or twice a month, we'll send in samples now. But um, yeah, we're very fortunate enough to, to do water samples. Very cool. Um, and do you know, um, sorry to put you on the spot for this, we've talked about it in the past and Colin from Float Away uh, sent an email this is kind of correcting us a little bit, but what are the main two things they're, they're testing for? Pseudonymous <laughs> Argarius or something, and there is another big science word that yes. is... Um, One is yeah. like a very airborne bacteria, and the other is uh, kind of a gut biome thing. Yeah. And, and, ah, shoot. Colin, I'm so sorry. Colin, correct. This <laughs> is tried. Uh, but yeah, basically when they are testing for, say, pseudonomus, uh, I think I said that right. When they it sounded, tested for it, it good. Um, it's, it's something that it's either there or it's not there. They're not testing it. Like you have seven parts per million of pseudonomus. It's either, yes, it's in the water or no, it's not in the water. I think with um, our health department, um, if they test like a public swimming pool, and it comes back as pseudonomous, I think they have to evacuate. I'm pretty sure they evacuate. And um, we're lucky we, we, we don't have to. We're at the industry where they're like, okay, do what you have to do to get rid of this and then tell us how you did it so we can help, you know, for the <laughs> nice. industry. So nice. um, the couple times we have had to get rid of things that came up, um, that's what we did. We tracked it down, wrote it down. We got everything in our maintenance book and uh, – we pass that on. So, I dig it. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, shoot, there was something else I wanted to ask you about. I want to, oh, um, has anybody done uh, the challenge test? I don't know if they have this in Canada. I would assume that they do. Um, this is something that Graham presented at the float conference a few years ago that I was really excited about, which is basically um, you bring in their water and you have to uh, prove that your water will kill They'll basically throw in all these different bacterias or, I don't know if it's viruses, all these different items into the water, and it has to kill it within a certain amount of time to, to be considered safe. And it, uh, the, the float water just crushed the metrics that they measure by. It just absolutely destroyed them. So that was a very confidence-inspiring a few years ago to know that um, just uh, the salt, the hydrogen peroxide, the UV, everything combined is just just a beast when it comes to sanit uh, sanitation. Yeah, it sounds sounds really interesting. I definitely want to look into that. But cool. Well, I, you know, I don't know that you, I don't think that's something necessarily everybody needs to do, but it was a good statement of mm -hmm. how we're maintaining our water in general is, it, it seems like a, a good standard based off of that test. Yeah. Not to say that more testing can't, can't happen. Mm -hmm. Um. Lance, I'll go to you first since uh, you, you've got you've got a lot to say today. Is, is there anything else that you want to add before we uh, close up? I think the I, show? there is a few things I'd like to add. Um, 
But I honestly think we need to have part two of this water maintenance. We missed a, we missed a few things this episode. I'd like to talk about um, what specific gravity do you keep your water at? What what height do you keep your water at? We need to touch on alkalinity still, and um, different uh, just a few other things I, I'd like to touch on. But water maintenance is it's the heart and soul of our business. If we don't have good water, we're not going to facilitate good floats, and it's going to affect yep. everything. So very important Gotta stuff. Um, one more thing off topic yes. from water maintenance um canadian float collective i'm sure you've heard Please. of us nonprofit association up here in canada great white north <laughs> trying to better the world of flotation and um we are currently looking to pay for our insurance bill which is quite expensive and uh yeah we ran our our floatathon a couple months ago and we got a quite a few centers to challenge their floaters to see who can float the most we raised some money through that but upcoming June 24th and 25th in Calgary, Alberta is a marathon or a race, five kilometer race, I believe, called Color Me Rad. Um, we're actually one of the main, quote unquote, I guess you call it sponsors of the event, where we're actually, we need to recruit 75 volunteers to help with this event, and they are paying us $75 per head. And every person that volunteers, that $75 we get um, will help pay us for this insurance bill that all of us are trying to pay for while we're all trying to run our own float center. Um, so yeah, if you would like to contribute or help out or volunteer in Calgary, Alberta for June 24th and 25th, um, give Trika, the president of CFC, uh, email and her email is connect at one love Um, your help would be greatly appreciated if you're in the area. And if you just want to send us money, you can do that too. That's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks for letting me plug the collective on the show. I know it's sort of off, but um, we are trying to help the industry. Whatever helps the industry. It isn't easy, though. Is that right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work because I think we got into CFC. um, We're all early stages of our float center, so at the same time as trying to build this nonprofit and make it grow and prosper. Um, we're also trying to build our own float centers to grow right. and prosper. Right. So it's, um, yeah, there's about six of us all in the same position of running our center that is trying to do it all. So it is. It Can anybody in Canada join the CFC? I mean, how does that, um, how does your group? Well, work? I think at the conference, we may be like recruiting some people for help, but our board members is fixed. Um, we have Got a fixed it. board right now, but I think there is a committee or something. Uh, there's some other members, <laughs> Amy would know, that could join and help us out and, and do certain tasks, like um, um, just little things like putting together the history of floating or putting together like little mm-hmm. projects where we can all unite and, and build this as one. That's why it's called the Canadian Float Collective, not us, you know. <laughs> like, I don't know, so I, I had a bad joke there, but... Yeah, anyone can help us out. Send us a message. <laughs> hit us up on Facebook. We have a group. We have a website that I'm still building, and I'm a little slow on. But, yeah, send us an email. Send us a message. If you want to help out, we will greatly appreciate it. And, and you are doing some really fantastic things. Um, so being a part of that and volunteering for committees uh, for these different projects um, would be a great feather in the cap for anybody who wants to be a part of it. I think... Uh, it's an opportunity not only for them to contribute to the industry, but also to learn a lot as well. So, very, very cool opportunities. Yeah, and the really cool thing is we sort of got this sponsor for this event. So our name is we're, we're 
promoting the the Canadian float collective at this event, but we're promoting the Canadian float industry. We're not promoting one float center, which is spreading awareness to everyone. And once our website is live, we will have um, a directory where we're going to have all float centers on there, just like the numerous directories out there. So yeah, it's cool Cool. stuff. Thanks guys. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending your free time on this. My God. I feel like I've yeah. talked a lot. Do you have anything to add, Amy? Like, I, You know, honestly, uh, it's been a learning experience for me. It always is when I'm with you guys. Um, the reality of it is in my situation, we're so we have to do things a certain way. Um, and it can get extremely frustrating mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. I don't believe that we have the best, the most efficient way to clean our waters. It's, it works. We get to the we get to the end where we need to be. Um, but it's extra work and extra time. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I think it's really exciting when I hear y'all talk about how to experiment or different ways that you approach things. Um, there's It shows that there's a lot of room in our industry for innovation in this area. And mm-hmm. I know there are some manufacturers working on some tools and that sort of thing to make yeah. this better for all of us. Yeah. So um, I hope this is the start of some really, really cool stuff happening for all of us in the float industry. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, and Lance, you're right, man. We we didn't cover everything. <laughs> there's more. There's more to cover. I thought we had a, a good comprehensive list before we got started, but uh, we're gonna. If this is the big float up, uh, the the big water maintenance episode, we, we're gonna have to do part two at some point. So stay tuned for that. I also want to mention that we do have a uh, water maintenance um, uh, blog post that was co-written by my wife Sandra uh, Graham of Float On and our employee, Emily Norin. Um, and so I'll put a link to that in there as well. Um, and I also have a video up on uh, Art of the Float um, YouTube page if you want to just hear a little bit about um, the tools that we use for maintaining our water. It's a few years old, but I think it stands up. And um, not a whole lot's changed other than my hair. So um, beyond that, is there anything else that you guys want to add? All right. Well, on that note... Everybody have a great week, and until next week, um, we'll be excited to cover some cool topics next week. Bye-bye. Namaste. (laughs) Namaste. (laughs) Namaste. We should end that. All three of us. Namaste. Namaste. Art of the Float.